Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries, stealing our companies and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you. Mega, mega, mega. 
Um, we do have uh, many guests coming on tonight, and I'll be introducing them later. Uh, huge show, though. I do want to start off the show, though, by uh, discussing kind of just a brief overview of what we went over last night, because there were some people that unfortunately said they could not connect to the show, and that's a, that's a first when, when people were trying to listen, because I think something happened uh, on the broadcast in the studio that made it uh, have some errors. I think there were some interruptions with the, with the network, if I'm not mistaken, because this, this has never happened before where it interrupts during the middle of the show, and I think um, some of it got cut off. So I just want to kind of reiterate, and then we're going to get into a lot of topics. Uh, first of all, you know, yesterday we talked about the Oscars, uh, how the feminism, the ignorance, and the entitlement that they carry. You know, they talk about women's rights, and they, they talk about how minorities are so oppressed, and, you know, they want to put blacks and, and Hispanics and all these people in a box, you know, j- just to push their agenda, which is absolutely sickening. And, you know, they never discuss the fact, and they won't because Hollywood's so jaded, that female unemployment is at an all-time uh, low. I mean, it, the, re- the record is, is unbelievable right now uh, for pe- females that want jobs. So, you know, for them to come out and just completely spit that ignorance and, and just the irrational uh, talk, I mean, it, it should make anybody upset. And like I said yesterday, they keep losing more and more viewers because they don't get rid of the politics. People do not watch their shows to listen to politics. If they want to listen to politics, they go on Fox News or they go on CNN or they go on a political channel. And this is what has been Hollywood's strong downside. You know, they, they have a problem with not keeping their mouth shut. Um, and it just drives me nuts. And, you know, the whole anti-white male narrative that was going on there, the anti-Christian, you know, narrative. I, you know, I mean, not – I don't want to say word for word some of the stuff they were saying, but you could you, – just by the way they were describing it and presenting themselves – you knew what their narrative was. Um, and this, this all goes into, um, you know, the whole Jesse Smollett thing, you know, all, all of this crap. You know, Hollywood, you know, paints all of these people as victims before they even hear the real story. You know, right when it's a minority getting hurt, you know, they jump on it like crazy, and, and they, they jump to a, some sort of narrative. When it's a woman getting oppressed, they jump right on it. But goddamn, if it's a white male getting attacked, or if it's you know somebody that's a Republican Trump supporter, regardless of their skin color, they don't give a shit. I mean, it's like they say they're the most open-minded uh, and uh, willing to talk to you and, and, and be there for you. But if you don't agree with them, they're your enemy. And I said before yesterday on the show, conservatives are the people that are the ones that will sit down and talk to you. They're the ones that will have a conversation. They're not going to be bigots and hate on you for you know what you believe. Um, and, you know, this is what really bothers me, and I'm going to finish up on this Oscar thing because we talked about it a lot yesterday, but when, when these celebrities take 30 seconds, you know, they, they get 30 seconds to give their award announcement, their speech, and in that 30 seconds, they feel the need, most of them, to bring up his name, to bring up Trump, to bring up, you know, how the political system is so down, so messed up, you know, so the people that voted for him are, are stupid and crazy. Oh, my God, there's no, there's no wonder why their uh, fan base has been totally um, alienated in so many different ways. Um, Gianni, you weren't on yesterday, but I know you, you paid close attention to this. I want to get your quick thoughts, but go ahead. On the Oscars? Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, you know, so I, you know, I'm a creative person. You know, I I do acting, I do directing, and things of that nature. And yeah. you know, when it yeah. when it comes, to, I, I really like when they stuck to the art in certain places. You know, it was a lot of yeah. optimism at the sky and things of that nature. And I mean, I honestly yeah. like the Oscars, but when they started to get political, I was just right. like, this is like, this is not how it's supposed to be. This is not, this yeah. is all to appreciate art. That's what it's about, yeah. to, to appreciate entertainment. That's what you're there for. You're not there to give your political points. You're not there to make right. your uh, uh, political re- rhetoric, but you're there to entertain yeah. people, and that's what you're there for. So um, I think when, uh, what's his name, Spike Lee, you know, he's a real nut job. You know, when he came yeah. out and said, oh, you know, 2020 is coming up. We need to mobilize. And I was like, come on, Spike. I mean, like, you are such a hypocrite. I watched the Trump documentary. I think it was called Trump in uh, 1991 or something like that. And Spike Lee was literally in the limousine. You can watch this documentary. Spike Lee is in yeah. the limousine with Donald Trump on the way to a party uh, downtown Manhattan. And, you know, Spike yeah. Lee's like, oh, man, this is my man. He let me use his buildings in movies and all this other stuff. And yeah. I'm like, so did you know he was racist then, or do you think he's racist now? Like, I, I, I'm confused at that. Right. So I think it's just a bunch of right. rhetoric, and that's the reason why the Oscars uh, ratings keep tanking. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very true. And, and let, let's face the facts here. You know, with, with what they, you know, report and what they talk about, you know, they only want to, like I said earlier, they only want to defend and talk highly of people that are in their little circle. You know, if, you, if you've been attacked, if you're an innocent victim and you're a Republican, they could care less. And it, it just – it all goes into the whole narrative, you know, just what I'm, what I'm talking about. And Hollywood's one of the biggest problems, you know, with their bubble. I mean, there's no, there's no getting around it. I mean, there, there's a lot of people that don't listen to them, but at the same time, you've got to take into consideration, there's a lot of people that sadly do. And that's scary to think about, that people take political advice from these stars because they look up to them so much. Especially on the yeah, left. Yeah, you know. Um, and what? Yes. Go ahead. I was gonna say what I was gonna say. What's so funny is they preach all this. Oh, capitalism bad. Money's bad. Being a millionaire is bad. I'm like, what the fuck? You're riding this is up how on this a country limousine. was made off of capitalism. Yeah, you're. I'm like, that's the reason you are getting paid is because. Us are paying to go see you. We're paying the tickets. We're the consumer. And you know you're wearing your million-dollar dresses. You're wearing your $30,000 jewelry, and you're getting all the cameras on you. And you preach to me about how bad capitalism is. The only way you have a job is because of us, the consumer, that's paying to go see your ass. And that's why I'm just ecstatic at how hypocritical Hollywood is, you know. It's it's just to me it's just and and that's the reason they hated the movie Green Book because I don't know if you saw the article that came out um, yeah. about how Spike Lee he stormed out of the place and people were upset because Green Book I'm gonna tell you the movie Green Book even though it had racial things to it it brought uh it wasn't about division it wasn't hate the white man or hate the black man it was about all right listen. We understand that we have a past of racism in this country. We understand that. But guess what? We can man together. We can come together. Forget black power. Forget white power. It's about American power. And that is – if you haven't seen the movie Green Book, I definitely say watch it. It's a book that that stops the division and brings unity. And that's why Spike Lee was mad because of all the black Klansmen stuff, you know, which is nothing but uh, rhetoric, left-wing rhetoric. 
and it was hating on Republicans, hating on conservative principles. So I really think that that is what Hollywood is nothing. It's just a left-wing rhetoric, rhetoric, you know, entertainment thing. I mean, I'm just sad to see what's going on in Hollywood today. Very very well said. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up the the Green Book because is it just me or or was it kind of like Hollywood was constantly giving out awards to only minority movies and African-American movies? I mean, there were a lot of situations where they were playing yeah. the social justice warrior. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. I mean, th- that's the reason. I mean, come on, man. It, it, it's so demeaning when I saw, I don't know who it was on stage, where they made a Oh, it was the movie the, for the Roma, I'm thinking, or whatever. And yeah, this yeah, guy yeah. came up, and he was, yeah, this guy came up, and then he's like, you know, I mean, we, we did this movie. It was all out of love. We want to show that it's not only America, but we have black America, and we have Hispanic America, and we want to show that somebody looks like me on screen. I'm like, dude, do you think I'm a fucking wacko? Like, dude, I'm an American, man. I don't need you to take up for me. I don't need you to pamper me like I'm some baby or I'm some peasant. The meaning to say, oh, we know you're, we know this is our America. We're the real Americans. So what you're going to do, we're going to make a movie for you. I mean, that that's the meaning in my case. That's what I believe. Yeah, 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 very well said. And, you know, uh, Dr. Branch, I, um, you know, real quick, I want to get your thoughts on this. I, I didn't get your thoughts on this yesterday because you weren't on the show. But, you know, what do you think about the whole Hollywood bubble and how, you know, I mean, it's, it is a little threatening. I mean, you know, the people that do listen to them, I mean, it is a little scary. Well, I think it's kind of amazing that uh, Hollywood hypocrisy is, is so deep they can't even find a a host to host their shows. Uh, I thought that was amazing. And listening to the, the talk on uh, privilege, meanwhile, you know, Giambi, how much were those swag bags worth that everybody Over got there? Over 100000 and I'll tell you what, I, I you know, I, I, I lectured last night over at the university and no one gave me a hundred thousand dollar bag so that I could talk bad about everybody else and talk about right. wealth and privilege like it's bad, then they turn around right. and they're the ones that are wealth and privileged. It's incredible <laughs> yeah. to me. The hypocrisy is so deep. Uh there I, I you know, I, I, I have to be honest. I my hat's off to you. Uh, you know, Rory, such a talented individual, Giambi, a director, you know, my hat's off to you. Absolutely. You know, but the thing is, is their talents. We should right. recognize the talents. We should, you know, understand that, applaud it. I believe there's worth right. and value, but don't use it as a platform to to, to yeah. attack. And that's yeah. what they're right. doing. Yeah. This is a platform to attack. I stopped anything to have to do with the Oscars. Uh, back towards when Ferguson was happening and when Dallas yep. police officers were being assassinated right. and they were talking bad about police officers. I just said, that's it. I mean, they are so far out of touch with my life and the way right. that, you know, the people that I know live. It, it, I, I just stopped it. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah very, very well said. And, and you know, I want to, I'm going to keep going through the list of, I got to, I got to keep going on the list, but what we, what we went over yesterday, but uh, another thing is the Jesse Smollett situation, which I called out weeks ago on the show. I knew this guy was lying. 
just from his story. I mean, come on. You have Subway 2 a.m., white attackers, ski mask, shorts, a mega cap, rope, bleach, in minus 20-degree weather. Give me a break. Mega country. That, that, that was one of the – huh? Yeah, it, it's beyond it's beyond silly. Um, and the cops admitted the other day on TV that he is being charged, and he lied. And you know, we're going to get into this whole conversation about how I think Democrats are behind some of these stage attacks. Because you look at Jesse Smollett and how close he is with Kamala Harris and Cory Booker. You can see them in photos together. This is not made up. They have been around each other, um, and more more than just acquaintances. I can tell you that. Um, let, let's get into the Trump supporters constantly are picked on. We talked about that yesterday. Matter of fact, there's an updating story uh, that developed uh, earlier today in the news that Trump, a Trump supporter, was illegally ta- was attacked in Boston, uh, got his mega cap thrown off of him by a female, and apparently she was in the country illegally. So she's in the country illegally. She goes up to a guy in a bar that's wearing a mega hat, and she's all butthurt that he's a Trump supporter. So he, she knocks the hat off of him. And, you know, gir- girls, I tell you, some of them, you know, they go around with a chip on their shoulder and, and act like, oh, I can do whatever I want because he ain't going to hit me. He ain't going to, you know, do the same thing he would do to a man. I mean, the entitlement is out of, this, out of this world and ridiculous. I hate feminism. I think it's the most disgusting thing alive. Um, you know, Berkeley, Berkeley, the guy that got punched in the face last week on yeah, campus. Yeah, that's my friend. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And then we have Kentucky, where a guy got a gun pulled on him for having a mega hat. I mean, this, it, it goes on and on. Um, you know, I talked about yesterday as well how Alabama ISIS bride shouldn't ever be a discussion for her to return to the United States. The fact that this is even a discussion and they're filing a lawsuit to try to bring her back, good luck. It's never going to happen. This shouldn't even be a discussion. She made her bed, and now she has to lay in it. And you know what? Oh, well, if she has a kid. She should have thought about that and should have thought about her future before she made this stupid decision. Um, this is another thing. I, I didn't talk about this much yesterday, but I do want to say this real quick before we get into our, our stories. The Covington kids' lawsuit, this is going to be a lesson for the mainstream media. You look at how many people that Catholic school kid from Covington uh, in Kentucky – when he got picked on by the Native American and got set up with all his classmates and the drum, drum beating in his ear, and then you had all these celebrities and all these left-wing nut jobs screaming at him and telling him how bad of a Catholic he was and he's a son of a bitch, and people were saying, uh, you know, go fuck your priest. And people were saying all this terrible stuff about this boy, and this boy was innocent, and he got set up. And that's another situation of a Democratic activist targeting Trump supporters. I mean, if it was just once or twice, that would be one thing. But since it's an ongoing thing, we are at war. I mean, we are not safe when we walk on these streets. Um, Here's another – this is a thing that bothers anybody. The tranny athletes. uh, The the Democrats are enabling and trying to push for trannies to be on whatever athlete team they choose. So if you want – uh, a man that's turning into a woman to be on the women's team. Uh, there are schools that are doing this right now, and it's causing lots of, lots of controversy. And we know this is part of the Democratic platform. This is all part of it. You know, they bring all the people that they want to make oppressed and, and convince they're oppressed, and then they, they bring all this crap on them. It's, it's, it's disgraceful. 
Um, and obviously I said yesterday that President Trump now has the nuclear option, so he's going to build the wall. Uh, he took $2.5 billion from California with nuclear options. He also took a billion from them for the failed railroads. So he has $3.5 billion with a B just from California right now. So that wall is going to get built. I mean, I don't have any worries at all. Um, let, let, let's get into our opening story. Um, unless anybody has any thoughts about it. I know I said a lot just now, and we are on a, on a time frame, but I do want anybody to give their thoughts if they have any. Rory, I'd like to jump in just real quick if I could. Um, yeah. In, rego- in regard to the Hollywood stuff, I'm not sure yeah. if uh, everyone's heard it, but Bill Maher did a monologue. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. To kind of piggyback on the Hollywood stuff and just this self-glorifying, just this this whole, oh, they, they fly over country. They they want to be like us. I mean, it's just this yeah. incredible mindset. And it is, yeah. it's not just Hollywood. It is the whole liberal mindset that they think that we worship them because they mm-hmm. worship them. Um, yeah. and, and it was just, um, he, he commented that these, these big cities have the highest IQ. Well, I worked in an inner city school for several years. Right. They have some of the lowest test scores and are some of the poorest <laughs> and yeah. and uneducated um, situations. Yeah. And, and I'm just and it's just this whole mindset they have about themselves that that is just yeah. really frustrating that they think we want to be like that. Um, also, yeah. when you were uh, discussing the attacks on Mega, I mentioned last night that the the gentleman in Berkeley that was attacked. That has been found out that that was an Antifa gentleman, and nothing's been done to him yeah. yet. He's not been arrested or anything. My fear right. with this is is they're pushing and pushing, especially with the gentleman in Kentucky who had the gun pulled on him. They, Antifa needs us to respond and to respond violently. They need that. They need that chaos. And I just keep praying that we are able to keep a, a logical head on our, our shoulders because I think what Covington is doing with the the lawsuits and some of these more uh, rational responses, that's the way we have to keep going because they're pushing right. for the violence. They need it and they want it. Yeah, I, you know, and look, yeah, Rory, you know, I'm going to play some clips. I'm going to play some clips right now. The de- what the Democrats are running on is absolutely disgraceful. It's the same old thing that they were running on in 2016. They have no new ideas, and I want to play what some of these candidates are saying. Uh, Take a look at this. This is unreal. When you talk about his statement on that, when you talk about him calling African countries F-hole countries, when you talk about him referring to immigrants as rapists and murderers, I don't think you can reach any other conclusion. So you definitely will agree that he's a racist. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, I mean – yeah, it, it, this goes on and on. Every cycle, every election cycle, it's it's like it's the same thing. Like they don't they don't stop. And look at their message here. Listen to this. Our campaign is about transforming our country and creating a government based on the principles of economic, social, racial, and environmental justice. And it's every every single election, they always bring up the crap about you know. Government control, socialism, you know, minorities are oppressed, women are oppressed. That's their talking point. If they wanted to bring the country together, they would 
be recognizable of the real stats that are going on right now with all the record job number. Uh, I mean, it's the fact that they are so oppositional and so hateful of Trump and not giving him credit where it's due. It's only going to backfire on them. And it's, it's the same tactics that they're running on in 2016. He's a racist. He's a bigot. He's a sexist. Yeah, just give it a break. And then look, listen to this. Yeah, Rory. Uh, we listened to her Can yesterday. I? You got to hear this. And that, that's his whole platform. You have Camilla Harris, who wants to legalize prostitution, fluffed her way to the top, and also uh, wants to give everyone Medicare for all. You have, oh, my God, AOC. I mean, obviously, she's not running for president. But a little 28-year-old that just got into the Senate, I mean, to the, into Congress, is now saying she's the boss. I, I, the, the Democratic Party has been hijacked by radical left-wing uh, Individual. I mean, this is absolutely insane. And don't forget about this, what Camilla Harris said a few weeks ago about smoking weed and how wrong she is. And it just goes to show that she'll say anything to supporters uh, to be elected. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, definitely Snoop. Uh-huh. Uh, Tupac, for sure. People quickly jump. Here's the thing about that. Those albums weren't even out until years later. She was caught in a lie on that, Camilla Harris. <laughs> it's, right. It, it honestly blows my mind. I don't know how these people, you know, keep a straight face. I mean, they are good at it, uh, and they are good at, you know, giving this stuff to their sheep, but it's just the same merry-go-round, and all the people that want socialism, it blows my mind. Uh, Josh, go ahead. Your thoughts. Yeah, just real quick, because I know real, uh, I can hear Gianni wanting to say something real quick, but, you know <laughs> – the, the thing that the Democrats are going to do here in the 2020 election is they're just going to double down on their hate Trump rhetoric. And yeah. the only way that that's going to work is if Trump does something to roy- like and royally messes up. I don't believe he's going to do. So as long as Trump continues to do positive things uh, for the American people and America in general, he's going to be fine coming up here in 2020. And the whole hate Trump rhetoric is not really going to do much in the long scheme of things. Yeah, very, very well said. And, you know, it, it really isn't. And, and what the Democratic Party and what their race is right now in the pres- presidency, they're only going off of anti-Trump rhetoric. I mean, that's basically what's going to win them the nomination. Whoever has the most anti-Trump rhetoric wins. That's how I view this whole thing. Because if you look at their message, they have no message except communism, free stuff, uh, take taxpayers' money, you know, ruin the health care system more and more. Uh, you know, socialism all around. You name it, they're 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 going to do it. Um, you know, this is this is scary stuff. What we're what we're dealing with, and we're going into a territory that uh, Venezuela has de- dealt with. All these countries have dealt with, and they have failed. They have failed on socialism. They have, nothing has worked uh, with socialism. But you know, these they want to say, oh well, in the USA we can do it differently. We can we can do it so much differently and so much better. No, you can't. Socialism is socialism. There's no getting around it. There's no sugarcoating it. Gianni, go ahead. You had a thought. 
Yeah, I want to kind of tie this into what your guest said about, you know, like Bill Maher saying, oh, my gosh, you know, they want to be like big cities. Rory, me and you know, you're from Seattle. I'm from New York City. Yeah. Listen, that is not true. I mean, just the fact that city city folk can be so uptight. Listen, I was born and raised in New York City. I love New York City. I love, yeah. you know, how I was raised. But people are leaving these two states for a reason. They're leaving these big metropolitan cities for a reason is because we're jealous mm-hmm. of the people in middle America because they're the, <laughs> yeah. one that have good ha- they're the ones that have the good houses. They're the ones that have the good land. You know, you get all this right. land. You know, everybody's nice. You know, it's clean. It's respectful. They actually have good policies that work. So Bill, Bill Maher is false when he says that. He just says that because he's rich. Listen, I love Bill Maher as a comedian, but when he brings up politics, I just hate him. I mean, it's just terrible. But th- the fact that people like him could be so uptight against people in middle America mm-hmm. really baffles me because I'm like, first of all, if it wasn't for the farmers, you wouldn't be eating anything right now. If it wasn't for the truckers, you wouldn't be getting any food to eat. Everything that you have in you is because of these agricultural people in the middle of America. Everything that you have when it comes to policy is because of these people in middle of America. And that's why I tell people, listen, I would love for middle America to take over again of the culture wars. Because if us big city people take over, you see what it comes to right now. It comes to ungodly. You're, you're absolutely right. Crazy very, very well said. Yeah. Policy yeah. And stuff, you know, I'm like, we need that conservative, middle-class, family-oriented, faith-oriented, um, um, you know, rhetoric to come through. We need that because without that, we know that as societal standards that has been set for years and for decades has, is being crippled down and, and, and being taken down. And we need that stuff to come back, and I wish that they can take over. Like I said, I'm from New York City. You're from Seattle. We know how big city people are, and we are just – our culture is just not to be ran on the federal level. It's just not, it's just not good, I'm just saying. Very well one, said. One um, traits, yeah, go ahead. One of the traits you also get from the rural, rural America is – People know their neighbors, and often they have to rely on their neighbors, especially farmers. Lots of times they're having to help each other be- with the farms because one person's tool goes down or or their crops are bad, so they have to help each other. There's a lot more of that helping. In bigger cities, how many times have we heard people are just walking on the streets and they don't see somebody laying there on the side of the road that's hurt? Um, yep. They're, they're, we, we have lost that ability to communicate especially in the bigger cities, and, and that is a wonderful trait that we, like they said, we, we need to bring back to America's culture and America's values. Right, and you, you, know, what's, you know what's really scary, and we got to go to a break for a sec uh, in a, in here shortly, but until we, before we introduce our next guest, uh, I want to play this clip. Uh, it's like a, a two-minute clip, but the fact that we have people going AWOL and crazy because of the fake news, um, is something to really be nervous and scared about. Even though these people that are getting targeted, like in this situation, are on the left side, I don't, you know, I don't want people, uh, even on the left, to get threatened. But all the fake news they have given to the public and all of these left-wing politicians, they're, get, they're getting threats. And there's a guy that just got caught uh, from the Coast Guard, and he was a t- uh, 
trying to um, set up a terror plot. And uh, they caught him. You guys got to hear this. He was pissed about fake news, and he was pissed about socialism. Uh, and I, you know, I don't condone this. And, you know, he's a Trump supporter, but, you know, this sort of stuff is not okay. But, and I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but all these things have happened so many times recently that I'm starting to think that the Democrats may have something to do with it. Um, the, the radical ones, the ones the very far left, like the Bernies, the Camillas. I don't know. I don't know, though. Here you go. One, two. Federal judge ruling that Christopher Hassan will remain behind bars without bail for at least the next two weeks. The hearing coming after Hassan was arrested last week by FBI agents charged with weapons and drug possession in a suspected plot to attack politicians and some journalists. Peter Ducey picks up the story. I'm watching this for days now, live in D.C. Hey, Peter, good morning. Good morning. Christopher Hassan had a, a secret level security clearance from 2005 until Tuesday when it was suspended as authorities realized he was stockpiling weapons and drugs to allegedly try to carry out a biological attack and then an attack on the food supply just as soon as he could figure out how to find Spanish flu, botulism, or anthrax. That's according to a document found on his computer accompanying these Google searches from last month. What if Trump illegally impeached? Best place in D.C. to see Congress people. Where in D.C. do Congress live? Civil war if Trump impeached Social Democrats USA. The government alleges Hassan wanted to attack prominent Democratic lawmakers who don't have protective details and whose names appear on a hit list next to high-profile cable news stars like Joe Scarborough, Don Lemon, and Chris Hayes, all critics of the Trump administration. I certainly don't think that the president at any point uh, has done anything but condemn violence um, against journalists or anyone else. In fact, every single time something like this happens, um, the president is typically one of the first people to condemn the violence, and the media is the first people to blame the president. A colleague of Christopher Hassan told Fox News' Jennifer Griffin, the accused domestic terrorist, didn't smile or joke. He kept a clean desk, rode a Harley to work, and had tattoos all over his body, but never told anybody that he considered himself a white nationalist, and it doesn't sound like his neighbors knew what he was up to either. So there you, there you have it, guys. Um, I want to take a quick break. Um, I have to, and then we're going to come right back and talk about this and introduce our next guest. I'll be right back. Uh, let me Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, SkyRace Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at SkyRace Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaceSecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. All right, we are back. I want to welcome our uh, next guest to the show, very popular guy, attorney, lobbyist, Democratic state senator in Louisiana, and the author of the new book, Robert Mueller, Aaron Boy for the New World Order, John Milkovich, how are you, my friend? Good, Rory. How are you? Uh, doing very well, John. sir. It's great, great to have you here. Um, it's a real pleasure. It's an honor. Um, 
we have obviously a lot to uh, discuss tonight. There's so much going on. Um, first of all, though, I, I definitely want to get your thoughts on the clip we just heard and what you think about all of this war with the media. You know, I have a strong opinion that they bring this on themselves with fake news. I'm not saying they deserve violent threats. No way. But at the same time, you know, when they're being this malicious, these left-wing politicians and these left-wing outlets, they can't be surprised that these sort of things are going to come at them, you know? Well, uh, you know, I, I um, like what the, the lady commentator said about President Trump, that he has consistently been very prompt and very uh, on point in condemning terrorism directed against people for any reason, especially in including political views. The yeah. foundation of our nation, what makes us different from nations around the world and throughout the centuries, is that we can have differing views and resolve our differences of opinion in the marketplace of ideas, in the courtroom, in the political system. So obviously, we we all condemn, and we should all should uh, unanimously condemn threats or violence visited upon people because of their views. I I think, though, that you may be getting at something even deeper than that, though, because you're talking about trends. I I think there are some disturbing indications on these mass shootings. Of course, I'd love to hear the viewpoints of the other esteemed panelists, Rory, but you know, the some of the conduct that we're seeing from these shooters is consistent with the conduct we would expect to see from people who were uh, programmed or gone through programs like MKUltra by the CIA and or other deep state black ops. There's been so many mass shootings, and sometimes we see that the people are that do the shootings are connected uh, through family or otherwise with the defense industry. We see that there's been drug abuse, and we see that there's been uh, basically off-base psychiatric uh, distortion of their views through uh, perhaps counselors that are not Bible-centered. So, I mean, I I think at some point – and by the way, I'm not telling anybody that I have the answers or that I know. I think at some point we have to – Start asking some hard questions about why there has been a such an explosion of, and I'd like to hear the viewpoints of your other panelists. Why, why there's been such a, a meteoric rise in the incidence of mass shootings the last 25 years, the last 20 years, the last 15 years, the last 10 years? What yeah. is really going on behind the scenes? And, and here's what's terrifying, um, uh, Senator Milkovich. What's terrifying is the fact that this week, for example, the Democrats are going to vote to criminalize private gun sales. This is absolutely atrocious and, and disgraceful. And I, you know, I know your views. You're, you're very much uh, – you support most of what Trump does. You're, you're kind of you, – I mean, you are. You said you're ashamed of how left the, some of the Democrats have gone um, – you know, but they need to face the facts, and they probably know this, but they're, they're, they know their voters are going to listen to it, that uh, the gun control thing, it doesn't stop uh, people, criminals, from getting guns on the street. You know, they think that, you know, I don't know why people think gun control 
is the answer. I mean, if you look at the ideology with Germany, what did Hitler do before he killed millions of Jewish people? He took their guns. Exactly. Yeah. Um, gun control is counterproductive. Let's just think about it on an elementary level. What you're doing is you're taking guns away from everybody but the criminals and the government. You're creating a society or world where in which the only people that have guns are the government and the criminals. You're creating a, a, a society, a culture, a, a world in which the only people that don't have guns are law-abiding citizens. That is crazy. It's called arm the criminals and render uh, righteous people defenseless. That's insanity. In, in, in a nutshell, other people may disagree, but I feel like that's in it. That goes to the heart of the insanity of gun control. You're you're absolutely right. Josh, go ahead. So, I mean, with the way that the – I mean, with with the the idea that this bill is is bringing up is straight-up fascism. Here's why. The simple definition of fascism is you get to – people get to own things. You can have things in your name. You know, private property is good under fascism. But then the government gets to tell you what you can and cannot do with your private property. So, I mean, this is this is absolute straight-up fascism. This isn't freedom. This isn't what the uh, Constitution was meant to protect. The Constitution was meant to protect our freedoms, and the Second Amendment is a right under the Constitution. By saying that by, – by bringing in a bill like this is straight-up fascism. I mean, obviously, um, multiple people compared it to what – Hitler did in Nazi Germany, which is exactly what he did. Saying that someone can own something, you can own a gun, you can buy a gun from, uh, you know, a, a gun uh, dealer or you know from a store, but you can't go sell it to somebody else. That's that's a that's a restriction of someone's rights, the taking away of someone's rights of what they can do with their private property, and that's just straight up fascism. Right. And yeah, and you look at it. Oh, go ahead, Senator. Go ahead. Well, I'm just saying I thank you, Josh, for your comments. And, and Rory, it renders us defenseless, so we cannot protect ourselves from criminals or a runaway government. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you look at the whole situation of what they want to do. They want to have full government control on our guns. They want us to go through the government when we purchase our guns. I mean, that's, that's the end goal. I mean, that's, that's what they want. If you, if you really look at it, and, you know, all of these different attacks and these, you know, some of them have been proven to be hoaxes. You know, I think others uh, haven't been uh, fully uh, uncovered yet with the truth. But, for instance, I mean, you've got the situation where all these mega supporters are getting attacked. You've got Jesse Smollett who made up the hoax. Um, <laughs> something tells me that, you know, some yeah. of these politicians – especially running for president, may be uh, involved somehow with orchestrating this. I don't want to say, you know, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist. I don't want to say for sure. I don't know that for a fact, but it would not surprise me, and I'm kind of leaning towards that because all we hear about, uh, you know, in the last, lately, it, it's been a lot of hoaxes. It's been a lot of things that have been proven to be false, and people made it up uh, to their own advantage. Uh, I, I, and you don't see conservatives doing this kind of stuff. So, I mean, what do you think, Dr. Branch? What are your thoughts? Well, you know, I I think the senator brings up some really great points as to why 
and you know uh, you know what uh, what can we do about it as well um i'm not i'm not claiming to have all the answers to that senator uh we live in a country now where for instance Rory played that clip uh regarding that um you know the person that was uh plotting uh about every five words was trump from that uh, uh the newscast exactly it was well trump 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 well the thing is is and if you look at uh like Covington the trump people the 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 mega hat wearers did nothing except stood their ground like Pamela was saying they wanted another reaction from those people, but they didn't have it. And, you know, when Trump was running for the, this office, you know, two and a half years ago, three years ago, the riots that were breaking out were orchestrated by the Democrats. And, you know, it, and, and, and when you look at we live in a Kardashian world where people are social media stars, you have many people now going out and just doing things for fame. And to me, it's, it, it, it is, you know, I, I blame a lot on the media of what's happening now, the, 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 the liberal left media. They're spinning the narrative. And to me, if we had, if, if, the, if the good senator stood up tomorrow and said, I am going to completely change the way that the United States is, and it's going to cost $93 trillion, then sat there and said, I am now the boss. Yeah. Uh, I believe there would be a different reaction than the reaction that people have now with AOC. Uh, you know, right. quite frankly, you know, to me, it is she's the media darling. They're loving her right now, and they're playing her. Yeah. And and oh, so yeah. you know, there, there's a lot of things going on in play. I liked what you had to say, Senator, uh, regarding you know, is there conspiracies actually happening here? Because there are. So we need to be aware of right. that. Well, sure. And, and yeah. uh, Professor, if we are seeing a concerted, orchestrated effort, no one can now deny with Andrew McCabe's revelations that there has been an ongoing conspiracy from day one to remove President Trump because we've got McCabe saying, coup. yes, they said they're going to wear a wire. Yes, they were going to lobby cabinet members to get them to remove the president. Yes, they were going to tell him you can fire Comey, and after you do, we're going to use that as a pretext for obstruction of justice. We've got McCabe saying they were having one or more high-level meetings of DOJ and or FBI officials where they were going to decide whether Donald Trump was going to be allowed to be president, not the people of the United States, not not an election uh, pursuant to the constitutional mechanism of the Electoral College, but a – Selection of some high-ranking federal bureaucrats. We're beyond. We're past the point where we uh, can deny, credibly deny conspiracies. They've just admitted one, and the, you know the left is flank to criticize people that are traditionalists or conservatives for uh, buying into conspiracy theories. Andrew McCabe has admitted a conspiracy to remove the president, and it dovetails with. Peter Strzok saying in the text that, look, we don't want President Trump to get elected, but if he does, we're, we've got insurance, we've got a plan B, we're going to figure out a way to remove him. And, of course, it's an all entirely consistent with the fact that they moved Mueller to the top of the food chain with a documented career of cover-ups, 
and um, setups and frames and actually a connection to big government and black ops and a police state tactics. Look, you put all that together, no one can deny that there is a conspiracy to remove the president. So what are they going to say that now that McCabe has proven a conspiracy, are they going to continue to ridicule uh, people that are conservatives for just opening their eyes and say, look, this stuff doesn't add up. There's some people pulling the strings. There's George Soros. There's the Clintons, the Bushes, and the Obamas. I mean – Yeah, you're absolutely right. Very, very well said. And you know, I want to I want to play this clip, Senator, and I want to get uh, I want you to stay on. I, I got to introduce somebody here in a second, but I want to ask your thoughts on this, and I want to get everybody's thoughts. Um, Michael Cohen today uh, told the media uh, that he's going to tell the American people his story. We all know this guy has nothing but stories, and this guy's a pathological liar. And you know, he just got lost his law license because. I mean, he's screwing himself over. He's going to do three years in prison, um, but apparently he's coming out with stuff uh, that are all uh, allegedly he's making accusations, and apparently some of these things that he's going to share uh, haven't been shared before. Uh, I don't know, though. I mean, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm really nervous, but hear this clip. Senator, you wrote a book about all of this corruption with Mueller, his investigation, uh, so on, so on. What do you think? Well, and I don't know. I'm going to be real honest. I I have felt, and I'd love to hear your other uh, very knowledgeable and insightful panelists, I have felt that Mueller was going to push this agenda to get rid of the president until the wheels fell off his wagon, until until God (laughs) shot him through events or circumstances or Maybe more people in Congress bowed up, went to Target, got a backbone, and came back and stood up to him and said, "Look, you will not crash our constitutional democracy because you're just because you're part of the the, the deep state insiders." Um, I, I think that, and, and the other thing. So, number one, I, I do believe that Mueller is going to push as far as as hard as he can, as long as he can, until he is forced to stop by external forces. The second thing that I point out, and then uh, I need to listen to what your uh, panelists have to say, is that it's really amazing to me that they're talking about, well, the president had improper relationships. I don't know the facts and circumstances, and if they were, that's very unfortunate. Whatever happened to the bunches of people that had evidence on the Clintons and died prematurely were assassinated? Whatever happened to the Seth Rich story? Whatever happened – to the Vince Foster story, what happened to giving arms to Mexican drug dealers in Fast and Furious, whatever happened to Dick Cheney increasing the value of his Halliburton portfolio by 500% by helping plunge us into war in Iraq, what happened to Mueller's cover-up of 9-11 by flying the Saudis and the bin Ladens out of America within days, what happened with the MENA drug connection that involved Clintons and, and Bush Sr., what 
What happened with them bringing a homosexual prostitute into the White House, documented on the front page of the Washington Post, uh, or was it the Washington um, Times? Uh, I may be wrong on that. But And, you know, what happened to the the scandal where these children were removed from that orphanage or whatever it was in the, Omaha, Nebraska, and taken to Washington for sex parties? I guess I said all that to say this. The media and the Mueller forces and the deep states, they've gotten incredibly selective about what they want to hammer on. We're, to, to, as Jesus would say, we're straining at gnats, swallowing camels. I get it. President Trump isn't perfect. I, he's made some mistakes. I, that's true. He's done some things that, that he would disagree with at this point. But what about the huge landscape of monstrosities? I didn't even yeah. talk about the cover-up of Pan Am 103. Things that are 100 times more horrendous than what President Trump's accused of. And what the mainstream media and the deep state focuses on is, is these incidents, accusations, and were in order to get to them, we have to literally leap over skyscrapers of scandals. Uh, Josh, go ahead. Well, you know, I, I agree with what a lot of what the senator just said. And, you know, Senator, I had a, I had a question um, specifically in regards to, you know, we always – obviously from your book, you, you were pretty deep uh, into, you know uh, – lack of a better term, deep into the deep state, uh, you know, with your knowledge into that. I mean, do you think that situations like, um, you know, less of a deep state situations like Jesse Smollett or, um, I mean, even to go back to, you know, uh, the all those envelopes that were sent to leading Democratic officials that seem to have disappeared uh, within a week of conversation. I mean, do you think things like this, these – are being sprung by Democrats, or do you think they're actual um, Trump supporters that have just gone a little crazy? You know, and, and I don't know, but I just – this is just a general observation, and I'd like to hear what you all have to say. But it, it appears that there is some manipulation events, whether it's mass shootings, whether it's black ops, whether it's media stories that, try to, that are used to discredit. What do you all think? Yeah, Gianni, uh, uh, Dr. Branch, go ahead. Well, I think, you know, that, that's a great question. Um, you know, you, you have mentioned a, a whole list of atrocities that many of us, uh, conservatives, uh, many people on the right have said, you know, there's evidence to, for instance, just, just with McCabe. I mean, the, the silent coup that's been going on. Why aren't people being locked up? We hear it, we see it, and we don't understand why there is no action behind it. We don't understand. I don't understand, and I'm a fairly well-educated man. Why isn't a McCabe locked? Why isn't this you know, something that the Justice Department right now is prosecuting? Or uh, not prosecuting, but... You, you understand what I mean? You know why? Why are? Yeah. Why do these things happen? We've seen what happened with Whitewater. We've seen what happened with Bill Clinton. Yeah. We've seen what happened, you know, on on people dying all around him. Yeah. But and nothing right. happened. 
We've seen what happened yeah. with the Clinton Foundation, hundreds of millions mm-hmm. of dollars. Nothing yeah. happens. So, you know, we, we, we talk on these shows. We hear this. And to me, it, you know, when you have somebody get out like McCabe and said, yeah, we sat and we talked about basically, you know, tearing up the United States Constitution and getting rid of a president. Why? Because he fired somebody. And the day after the president talked to McCabe about it, he went and he initiated uh, basically going going and looking at the, the, the whole uh, uh, Russian collusion thing that triggered the, the Mueller investigation. And to me, that, that, that is a coup. So why aren't things happening? We see it. Right. We hear it. Yeah. yeah. Great, point. Great point, Professor. Pam, go ahead. Great point. Um, I'd like to address the conspiracy, but I want to jump back a little bit to the gun control to, to address that. Um, if we recall back in post-Reconstruction time when Democrats started taking back over southern state government, the, the freed slaves started fighting back because they had guns. So Jim Crow laws started uh, denying slaves, ex, uh, former slaves, or even if they were free. They took their guns away. That way the KKK could overthrow them, yep. and they had yep. no defense. And that's going to right. happen again. Now, yeah. I, it just broke a few weeks ago that as yep. Democrats are saying we need gun control, we need gun control, we need to put all these laws on, they did not support a law for ICE to be informed when illegals tried to get a gun. Yeah. yeah. There's a, yeah. there's a conspiracy when 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 they are cuz who has the majority of the guns right now? Right. The conservatives Start. and mega people. And that includes some right. of the Dems. So, they're trying to take it out of the hands of those they know will fight back and they yeah. don't care if illegals yeah. or criminals have them. So, right. yeah. uh, do, uh, that'll Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Great point. Yep, very, very well said. I, I, I just have to, I have to go to break in like two minutes. But Pam, uh, f- finish up. What were you saying? Sorry. Well, I was just going to say that um, it, that just kind of shows that they really don't care about the gun control. They really want the power, and they need that power very by true. giving their people the 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 tools and the guns to do it to try to suppress us. And I think they're going after Trump because they know Trump has no loyalty to any of them, and they have to get him out because he's going to expose all of them. Yeah, uh, Gianni, go ahead, and then I got to go commercial, and then we got to uh, introduce our next guest after the break. Uh, Senator, stay on. Uh, Gianni, go ahead. To add on to what uh, uh, your guest just said, Pamela, that people like to attack the whole gun, but they don't understand everything she said was just right, right on point. The NRA, the, the National Rifle Association, is the oldest civil rights organization in America, and people don't understand that. And when you actually think about it in these streets and things of that nature, you're taking the guns out of the hands of minorities that need them. I believe if we have people yep. like Mott Torre that actually goes into the you know the ghettos and the minority uh, neighborhoods and teaches them how to handle a gun, how to do these things that We'll be better off because, I mean, 
it's just crazy. Like the Second Amendment, it says clearly the founding fathers put this in the document for a reason that our Second Amendment right shall not be infringed. It doesn't mean uh, right. change the way it looks. It doesn't mean change what happens. It doesn't mean change which guns you can use. It doesn't mean, oh, you know, it, it doesn't mean it was all for hunting. No, it's not. It was to protect against a government that was a, tyr- a tyranny government. And right. I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just like, I just can't, I, I, I'm lost for words sometimes, just how people literally try to change the Constitution and not even re- and, and, keep it in high regard. And here's what's sad. You here's don't what's ar- sad about this. Go ahead. You don't arm a militia to go shoot a deer. Yeah, very well <laughs> said. And here, here's what's scary about this and what's really crazy is that not enough people don't understand the fact that if you give the, de- the, the, the left any sort of inches, they'll take miles. It's like I, I know bump right. stocks. I mean, I'm not a big fan of bump stocks, but, I mean, you know, if I wanted bump stocks, I mean, why is it their business, number one? And number two, you know, if they want to get rid of stuff like bump stocks, it may not be that big of a deal, but that's how it all starts. That's how it all starts. You know, even though people may not be using bump stocks, a lot of people, you have, people have to understand. Like, I get people that say to me, well, why do you need bump stock? Why do you need that sort of stuff? And I say, why is it any of your damn business, number one? And number two, this is how it all starts. It's incremental. Yeah, I was, that's exactly right, Rory. And the other thing is – go ahead. Professor, I'm sorry. I was going to say that Ronald Reagan famously said, "If fascism ever comes back to the, to America, uh, he'll come in the name of liberalism." That's what he said. <laughs> I mean, this guy was like yeah. a prophet. Yes, yeah. yeah, very well said. I uh, do you have to go to commercial. We will be right back, everybody. In one minute, we'll be right back with our guests. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the behind the scenes production. Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. All righty, we are back. Uh, I do want to welcome very, very popular guy. Um, he's doing well right now. He has a brand new book out. Uh, let me see here. I got my notes right here. 
Perfect. Um, economics expert, political activist, attorney, best-selling author, and a professor of law at Toro Law School in Central Islip, New York. Uh, Dan, Sub- Dan, how do I pronounce your last name? I'm sorry. Dan, are you there? Hello, Dan? I don't know. That's uh, so awesome. Uh, economist, entrepreneur, speaker, writer for Town Hall, Newsmax, live debt, and a professor of finance at Stockton University in New Jersey. Dr. <clears throat> Michael Bussler, how are you? I'm doing well, Rory. I was just listening to all the uh, discussion about gun control, you know, and there are a few things um, <laughs> that are kind of interesting. Um, some of the uh, states and municipalities with the strictest gun laws uh, with the idea that that should uh, reduce gun violence, uh, it's turned out to be just the opposite. Uh, Chicago, yep. for instance, as you know, has uh, very strict gun laws, and uh, they they have more than one murder every single day of the year. Uh, so um, what, what we're finding is that um, by making the gun laws more strict, uh, all they do is make it a little more difficult for legal uh, law-abiding citizens to get guns. Uh, indeed, the people that commit crimes, the criminals, uh, they don't necessarily follow the laws to get guns in the first place. Uh, so you question some of the validity of um, some of this uh, gun legislation. Yeah, very very well said, and, and it's so true. And, uh, you know, I um, it's one of those things. It, it really is uh, turning into like a third third world nation government on the left. I mean, they really want to take us into, into a situation like Venezuela, and it's, it's atrocious. Um, I, do, I do want to move on. I, I do have something very important, uh, Dr. Bustler, to talk about uh, with yeah. you economic-wise. Uh, there was a new um, economics report out today. The feds are now reporting that millennials face $1 trillion in debt, and majority of it is student loans. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'll tell you, the millennials are really being dealt uh, kind of a bad hand here. Um, One, uh, the the cost of college has gone up astronomically for a number of uh, reasons. Um, And because uh, the government didn't want to uh, uh, prevent anybody from going to college, they make it easy to borrow as much money as you need to go to college. Uh, The result is students graduate with um, a large amount of debt. Now, that in itself doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing if there was opportunities for the uh, students when they graduate to earn good incomes uh, and be able to carry the debt. But because the uh, economy's been so stagnant, uh, really, for the last decade, uh, they haven't been finding uh, very good jobs. Um, and as a result of that, this debt is, is heavy. So that's one problem. Uh, There are other problems, too. Um, The way the government uh, has been, and the Democrats want to take it even further, um, entitlement payments um, are starting to be huge. Uh, This year, the federal government uh, has a budget of $4.4 trillion. Uh, A little over 60% of that spending goes for Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Um, and all of those programs um, will run out of money 
um, relatively soon. Some estimates between 1926, some say, uh, I mean, 2026, some say perhaps a little bit later. But they're going to run out of money. And as uh, the population ages, particularly baby boomers, uh, who are now retiring and living much longer uh, and collecting Social Security much longer, um, uh, that burden is going to become even more. And I don't know how high they're going to raise the, the tax. The Democrats have one proposal that would raise the current tax, um, which is we pay 6.2, your employer pays 6.2 for you. So you really pay 12.4% um, of your uh, wages up to a limit. They want to raise that to 14.8%. Um, so that burden somehow, however it's finally decided, but that burden of Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid will fall squarely on the shoulders of the millennials. To make it even worse, the federal government uh, continues to spend much more money than they bring in in revenue. Uh, in fact, since uh, 1959, the government has only balanced the budget four years, and the other years uh, we've run deficits in the budget. As you may have read recently, the uh, total of all deficits, the public debt, is now up over $22 trillion. We get a little nervous when the public debt is greater than one year's worth of GDP. Uh, GDP yeah. will be roughly $20 trillion this year, It's now, uh, and the debt is now $22 trillion. That burden, too, will fall on the millennials. Uh, so they've got a lot that uh, they'll be carrying, I believe, well into the future, and I can see why they're upset. Uh, Dr. Branch, I know you're a big guy in education. You want to respond? Oh, who was, who was saying? Somebody wanted to respond? Who was that? Yeah, that was, I, that I was do. Josh real quick. I'll let Branch go first, and I'll, I'll follow up. No, go ahead, Josh. Go ahead. Well, well what, know, what I was going to say is that – <laughs> what I was going to say I hate uh, this delay uh, I tell you what <laughs> regarding, Well I apologize for that too uh, You know uh, You know uh, you know What our economist Was just saying I mean it, it, it's very Intuitive there's a lot of reasons I just wrote a paper On the high cost of uh, Of uh, Higher education um, and in it, I put in there, you know, if we were a baker and we decided to bake a loaf of bread and sell it, there's there's many things that we have to look at on what the cost of bread will be. You know, for instance, can we make a good product? What's the cost of raw goods? And we have to look at, you know, many other factors before we even get into the game. But once you throw subsidies into it, you know, all, many of those go out the window, and that's the reason why you have a lot of these colleges springing up now, knowing that the government is going to subsidize through student loans. And it, it's funny because student loans, even if you go into bankruptcy, are not forgiven. So they are right. squarely on the back of our students. And if you look at the cost of education to actually what it would truly cost if we were just to start our own college tomorrow is astronomical. And one of the reasons is, is we know that the government paradigm, we know that the student loans could be, you know, up to $200,000. We know this. And if we know that our customers will have that subsidy, we can raise the price of education. 
And that's you know, a lot of the reason why. And economists, you know, understand that as well. So we have to look at that. Now, with Social Security, you know, I'm old enough to remember when Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill, when they got together and they, they looked at, at that time, I was 30-something, they said, okay, it, you know, because of the baby boomers, Social Security's go run out. You want to protect Social Security? You got to agree to pay more. And you got to agree to retire later. We bid off on that. We said, okay, we will do that. Now, my generation is retiring now. And they're talking, well, you know, let's raise the rate, uh, you know, when, when you can retire now to 70, for instance. And it's like, well, wait a second. We just made that agreement 30 years ago. And, you know, we, we put our parents through Social Security. Now, what are we going to do? And it's alarming. You know, when I hear somebody say, well, it's subsidies, you know, is it subsidies or is it something back in, you know, Ronald Reagan's time? Is it a contract that we actually had with him? Because if you look, we got rid of, we got the IRAs, we have the 401ks. So now employers aren't really providing in the private sector these really nice retirements that our parents had. So, what do we do now when we're faced with this heading into our retirement? Do we say that there are subsidies, you're right, don't give us the money, or did we actually plan over the last 30 years this is how we're going to retire? I think yeah. If I, if Jack, I can respond somewhat, um, oh, yeah, somewhat ahead, to that, uh, yeah, I was going to say everything you said is exactly correct. Um, I, I just want to add a couple things. Um, p- part of the reason Social Security is having such a, a, a problem is that people, medical science has advanced much faster than anybody imagined. And as a result, when Ronald Reagan made that deal, um, people retired at 65. Life expectancy was 72-ish at the time. So you were only collecting uh, Social Security for about seven years. Now, people that are retiring their life expectancy at retirement is up to 84 years old. And you now have some people, um, not to sound morbid, but I look through the obituaries. As you get a little older, you start looking at that a little more often. <laughs> but um, I started uh, looking, looking yeah. through it, and there are people living there every day and well into their 90s. I see somebody over 100 years old at least once or twice uh, a week. Well, with that, there's no way that people can retire. They're raising the age to 67. There's no way you can retire at 67 and collect until you're 90 something. So the only, um, and it's, there are no good solutions to this problem. So when there's not a good solution, you look for the one that's the least bad. And I, and think, I think the least bad. Yeah. I was going to say the no, one that's no, probably no, least bad is to raise the retirement age and it's going to have to go at least to 70 and I think eventually up to 75. Now, it won't affect anybody that's retiring now. It probably won't affect anybody uh, who's um, over 55 now, but they're going to start to, they're going to have to start to gradually raise the retirement age um, and it will have to go up. And because people are living longer, um, you know, I, that's the only way the system is going to stay uh, stay solvent. Um, you're, you're I couldn't make a comment right. about Maury, the college. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. 
Hello? Yeah, you, oh, yeah. you got to well, go. Got, yeah. Yeah, I'll throw a comment in. I'll throw a comment in. We're forgetting that Barack Obama has given us the solution about those that are um, living longer. If you recall, someone asked him about her mother who uh, needed some surgery, and he said, well, just give her a pill and keep her comfortable. What people don't get is <laughs> wow. the socialism and the universal health care. Uh, I think they've, they've kind of packaged that in there, that they'll take care of those that, have, that are living longer. We need to remember yeah. that. And you know what? And I think what's funny, Pamela, is I think what's funny, Pamela, is back in the, back in the 80s when Ronald Reagan was doing this, they were coming after us because our parents were smokers. In the 50s and 60s and 70s, everybody was smoking. If you look at an old Johnny Carson yep. show, they're smoking right oh, on yeah. the panel. They yep. told us, they said, get out and jog, stop smoking, get rid of fatty foods, and you'll live longer and you'll enjoy retirement more. All we're, <laughs> all we're enjoying is, okay, you get to work longer. <laughs> right. Yep. Very, it's, very it's well let yeah, me uh, let me jump in here. Let me jump in here real quick. Just you know, being a college student currently, um, just to address this this college uh, problem that we're really having in this country. I mean, it, the the situation. So there's a, a few points I got. The situation we're seeing with, um, I mean, the loans are so easy to get. It's not even funny. If you apply, you get it. I mean, it's really that simple. Especially <laughs> if you're any sort of minority. Um, I mean, you get them like. I mean, immediately, and even to the extent of now there's scholarships being given out with for no reason except that if your parents didn't go to either your parents didn't go to college you're in college you're getting you're getting a lot of money off for your for your classes. I have a friend who neither his parents went to college he's getting all of his classes paid for uh by this um money that the government's giving out, so when you make money that uh, readily available, it's driving up the price uh, exactly. uh, of college, and you're creating a bubble. I mean, and you can compare it almost to the housing bubble in 2008 when loans are this easy to get and for such low interest, and everyone can get them. Eventually, something's going to explode or implode. Now, the other issue that, and, and Dr. Bustler brought this up, debt isn't necessarily bad. There's high amounts of debt. That's not necessarily the problem. And, and he brought up the idea that uh, the problem is that there's no, the jobs aren't there when they get out to pay off the debt. Well, he's right in that. But also on top of that, these colleges are also – it's not just the students' you know, uh, fault or the job market's fault for either maybe the student you – know, for whatever. It's not just those two problems. It's also the school's part. They're not implicit. You're not, they're, they're complicit in this because they're offering degrees a lot of times – that will never, ever, ever in the in the, the person's wildest dreams find them a job yep. where they can pay off the debt that they've gotten. Right. When there are people spending right. hundreds of thousands of dollars on their a degree yep. of lesbian dance, yep. that's a real damn yep. degree. That yep. you're going to have is, problems like this. And, and you're Josh, you're absolutely right. Which is why there's so many different trade schools uh, being more and more created every day. We got we got so many. Uh, different options, uh, I feel like, that, are, that keep being added to the education system. And you see all these different people that are taking the trade school route because they know they can be guaranteed a job and income 
where they can pay back those certain, you know, um, situations. And obviously we know, you know, there's a, a handful of college degrees that they can pay them back with, but at, you're absolutely right when you said there's a handful that aren't, that you can't, pay, that, that don't allow you to pay that kind of money back, which is a problem. It's an epidemic. And, uh, you know, we have too many people, especially millennials, that are entitled. They think everybody owes them something. That's the biggest problem in this country, I believe, right now for the millennials, the entitlement, the, the Bernie uh, p- the pitches, the Bernie, um, and I said that with a P, like when Bernie pitches ideas to these young people. Uh, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, Gianni, go ahead, and then I want to go to Senator Melkovich. Yeah, I had a question for uh, uh, your economist, Mr. Bustler. So, yeah. us Republicans, you know, we like to attack socialism and, oh, my gosh, we hate communism, we hate socialism, but Social Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, these things are all social programs, and they take yep. up the most money, and they are, they, yep. they are you know, growing our debt with 22 – I mean, come on. So Absolutely. What do you about, yeah, what do you think about – because, see, I'm more of a libertarian, and what do you think about – uh, privatizing these things when it comes to Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, because I believe that would definitely uh, hit the debt. Because the only way, other way, is either you pay higher taxes, which none of us want that, uh, or you privatize it. I mean, privatizing is the only thing that I can think of that would actually work. Because if we keep these programs the way they're going, the debt is just going to keep growing. And yeah, we have a good economy now, but wait ten. 10 years down the road and the whole thing is going to fall, you know? So yeah, I, I don't know. I just want the question I asked you, what do you think about privatizing yeah. all, all these uh, programs? So I think you bring up an, an excellent point. You may remember George Bush in 2002 tried to privatize some of the social security and it just didn't, didn't go anywhere. Um, for, for most of us, social security will not be a very good deal. If you take a look at how much money, Say somebody starts working when they're, I don't know, 22 years old and works until they're probably uh, 70, um, the 50 years you're paying money into it, you're not getting out nearly the value of, of what you put in. And the reason is that a big chunk of that money is going to pay for other people who simply can't take care of them themselves and somehow uh, qualify for those benefits. So privatizing it makes a lot of sense you're still going to have something the government will have to do for the people that, for whatever reason, aren't taking care of them them, themselves. And let me, let me also say, um, even though we we believe in capitalism and we believe primarily in individual responsibility, um, we do have a social conscience. And even in capitalism, we recognize that we do have some social responsibility to people who uh, some people are disabled, some people for whatever Absolutely. reason can't can't take care of themselves, and we're Americans, I believe, are very compassionate and recognize that social responsibility. What burns us up is the people that should be taking individual responsibility, that is taking care of themselves, uh, just say, "Well, I'm going to uh, uh, go for one of these government programs." Uh, uh, Ocasio-Cortez says she wants to even pay people who are, quote, unwilling to, to work. Uh, so um, you get these situations uh, where 
these uh, people are really un- unwilling to, to work at all, and we're starting to uh, pay them for that. So we have there is a social responsibility. We have a social conscience. It should be limited, and most people, I believe, uh, should be encouraged to take individual responsibility and take care of themselves. As was just suggested here, if we privatize uh, um, Social Security, could even privatize medical uh, Medicare insurance uh, too. Um, if we did that, people would take more individual responsibility, and we'd have less uh, problems with these uh, social programs. Right. Oh, wow. very well, very well said, um, Senator um, Milkovich. How do you respond to all this? What are your thoughts? We are, uh, well, yeah, we're tapped out. Shoot, $22 trillion. And, and really, um, I, I think, Rory, maybe you'll allow the economists on the panel to weigh in on this. Are, how close are we getting to an economic implosion? When, and how much of our uh, annual governmental income or revenue is coming to just to pay debt? It's crazy. And, I mean, that's one area where uh, I know that President Trump's had to con- – it has had to take on and confront so many problems with immigration and with the trade deals, and trade's going to help over the long term. But I think we're going to ha- – we absolutely have to if we're going to survive as a nation. We are going to have to confront the ente- uh, entitlement segment. This, this whole notion that able-bodied people can be paid to not work is – it's not biblical. It's not what this nation is based upon. It's not, it's not economically viable or sustainable. Yeah, yeah, very well. Yeah, yeah I think there's another there's another angle there's, there's another angle if I can come in I don't know if I'm muted can you hear me? Yeah, this I can is hear Mike you. from New York. Um, I think there's another side of it. Everybody, I've been listening, haven't said anything yet. There's another side that everybody's overlooking, especially in government. That one word, one thing, if we could put back into play in this government and also have it trickle down through all state governments, and have it responsible for all politicians, everything, accountability. Accountability. Now, if you put if you put accountability back on the table there, so the incompetence from these politicians, the incompetence from the contracting officers, where they're allowed to let things go that cost the taxpayers millions of dollars, that are total screw-ups, that never make it. And I'm speaking as a contractor myself. Things that I've seen, screw-ups that I've seen that just go under the rug and they're just covered up and forgotten and move on to the next thing. And the public never knows about it, but it costs us millions of dollars. Now, if those contracting officers, if accountability was worked in there, where they were personally responsible for this, to make sure for oversight that that contract is done and that best value is used, not just on big, large contracts over $400,000, but I don't even care if it's a $2,000 contract or something done for landscaping around a building that the best value and it's in the interest of the taxpayers. So, and if they were held accountable, you'd see a lot of people saying, I don't want to do contracting. I don't want to be a contracting officer. And, if, and the same with politicians. If you pass a bill that ends up being a total failure and cost the taxpayers, you have to make good on it. What did that cost the taxpayers? That's your fault. You pushed it, you're paying for it. You've been out of, out of office for five years? Oh, well, you're paying for it. Then you'd see a lot less of this bullshit. Um, well, that's I what, think that's that's a, a contractor. Yep. I think Go the ahead, problem man. with that, uh, Dr. Busler, is 
the reason the politicians are pushing that is because of what they're getting under the table, and they're not being held accountable for that. Bernie Sanders lived in a commune until he was like 40, and then he's been in the government ever since, and he now owns three homes and ha- is worth millions of dollars. How does that happen? So yeah, I mean, the reason they're it, willing to it, push this yeah, yep. the reason it's they're shameful. willing to push this, yeah, is because they're they're getting money under the table and it's costing us. You're exactly right. It is costing us because they're getting rich on our dime and then they're telling us we need to be socialists. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You're, abs- you're absolutely yeah, well, right. And yeah, go ahead, Johnny. Yeah. So I have a question for everybody. Like, okay, so how much do you think? That because I mean I I tend to look at the 1950s. You know we had racism and stuff, but I mean family oriented 1950s, the 40s. You know you know most of the silent generation. Like, do you think what's going on now has to do with the culture? Because I mean, if you look at how the family structure was so strong back then, it wasn't like, oh, you want to be you want to be an actor or a singer. All right, yeah, just go do it. I don't care. Versus the family saying, okay, listen. You're going to get a good education. You're going to go to school. You know, you're going to you would be a doctor, be a lawyer, because being a basketball player yeah. only takes only 2%. 2% yeah. of people will ever be a basketball player or play in sports. So I think, right. do you think that we need to bring back family structure and family discipline uh, and societal mm-hmm. standards that were fundamental before the, you know, the 60s and the counterculture people? Uh, do you think we need I think to bring everything, back? Everything. I agree with you. I think everything about values, family values, values in general, respect, accountability, all of these, all of these things should be brought back on the table. And the liberals have taken them off the table. And, and mainstream, the silent majority, the Americans that are out there, they want it back. Hey, Dr. Butler. We've had it. Dr. Bustler, Dr. Bustler, I, you know, after hearing all this, what do you think about this whole Green New Deal? You know, you're an economist. They, they estimated it to cost $93 trillion with a T, and it would be over four times the national debt. How, do you, how, do we, this, how does this even come into play or even talked about with everything, with all the economic crises we have going on in our country? This Green Deal would be an absolute disaster for the country. Uh, even, even if you tried to do only a part of it, it would be a disaster for the country. But you know what what really upsets me about the whole thing is the the whole democrats socialistic views and this green deal they all go against the basic values of what made our country great. In other words, you take a look at the US. We we went from the birth of a nation to the most economic, the strongest economic power, the most prosperous and uh, militarily the strongest in about 150 years. Other countries were hundreds of years older than us, some thousands of years older than than us, yet we were able to become the largest economy, the most prosperous, in about 150 years. How we did that is there were a couple of very basic values. One, we stressed individual freedom and freedom in markets. We stressed, two, individual responsibility not social responsibility, people take care of themselves. And thirdly, we had very low rates of taxation and a limited role for government, and that enabled our economy to grow. 
This green deal is exactly opposite to every one of those. People will lose individual freedom because the government will control the health care. They'll control the colleges more than they do today. And they'll tell you, as was mentioned before, who's going to get what and what's going to happen and what people can do. So you lose individual freedom. The government's going to take care of you instead of you taking care of yourself. So you lose individual responsibility. In order to pay for all this, they're going to have to raise taxes on everybody, so you lose the low rate of taxation. And fourthly, you have the government involved in all of these um, industries that um, uh, you have now a huge role for government. So all four of those things are exactly opposite to what made this, this country great. This Green Deal would be such a disaster for the, the country. It would literally bankrupt us. And both financially and I think morally, because we'd all be part of uh, now having the government take care of us. And that whole mindset just is counter to everything that America stands for. Amen. Well, yeah. Amen. Well said. Well said. Yeah. Here's the the point. I mean, you look at, you know, how how so many people are anti-capitalism. But they are so ignorant when they have that mindset because capitalism is what puts, puts food on their table. It's not socialism. You know, when, when, some, when a country becomes an economic powerhouse, it's, it's through capitalism. You know, socialism, all it does is make people poor and make people broke and destitute. So there's no winning endgame with it. So it's, it's very scary that you have a handful of people that are so uh, focused on it uh, and, like, focused on people like Bernie. It's scary really scary. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that uh, is literally mind-blowing, and uh, people want to say, oh, it's a different kind of socialism. It's not like the other countries. I mean, socialism is socialism. It's, it's all, socialism is socialism. It's all the same. There's no doubt about it. There's no sugarcoating it. There's no, uh, you know, twisting the words. It, it is what it is. And, and, and Dr. Butler, you know, what yeah. do you think? I mean, obviously the free stuff, I mean, that's, you know, that's why so many people are obsessed with it. But what do you think are some of the other reasons? Laziness, uh, entitlement, do you think those are some good reasons? And because people don't want to take responsibility for themselves. They want somebody else to take responsibility uh, for them. Um, And, again, that's not the way that uh, America was founded. It's not the way for us to to move uh, forward. Um, And I, 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 I hope um, th- this situation has uh, the Democrats have tried before, and every time it's failed, starting back in 1972 with uh, George McGovern, who got clobbered, going through Walter Mondale. You might remember Mike Dukakis. They were all very yeah. liberal Democrats, and uh, they ended up getting clobbered in the election. And fortunately, the Democratic Party changed after that and became a little more reasonable. Look, the Republicans are always going to tend, lean more toward individual responsibility, and the Democrats are going to lean toward more social responsibility. But both of us are just a little to the right or left of center, and that's what keeps us moving forward. It's when we get these extreme positions, either on the right or the left, whenever you get these extreme positions, it kind of knocks things off. Um, and I don't think the American people, when they get to the voting box, um, I don't think they're going to uh, stand for this. And every time that socialism uh, has been an option, it ended up uh, losing big. And I hope that happens this time. I'm a little bit nervous 
you, you may have noticed uh, some states, Colorado just passed this. They said that um, their electoral votes will Popular go vote. to um, – Whatever whatever candidate ended up with the largest popular vote in the country, not necessarily what happened within the state. So I'm a little nervous about how that can can play out. I think 11 states have either passed this or considered passing this, and I think that would be um, another way for these uh, liberal social socialist Democrats uh, who uh, pack the population in the two coasts to try to get control of things. Exactly. Yeah, I do need to. I need to. I do need to move on to topic. We are on a time frame. Um, I want to. I want to talk to you, everybody, about this next thing. This is huge. Um, it was breaking news today that the House um, voted on a bill that would block President Trump's state of emergency for the wall. But we have seen that President Trump went nuclear on California. He got 2.5 billion from them on the B off going nuclear, and he also got a billion from them for the failed railroad um, system that they, or the train thing that they were putting in there. And, uh, you know, Trump can build his wall, according to reports, regardless of the different states that have lawsuits against him. So, you know, you have all these different things. And when the Congress voted on this bill today, it wasn't enough to override a veto. How, how do you see this? Because it, clearly there's a crisis. We have people from Mexico shooting our border guards. That was just a, a report last week. And we also have a report yesterday saying the caravans rushing the Texas border. So, you know, the left can play this off all they want, but this is a crisis. Yeah, I would say that I believe it's a crisis. Absolutely. I believe we need the wall. Absolutely. But Honestly, you know, I've talked to you, Rory, about this. I do not believe that that's going to – that bill – I mean, I don't believe the wall is going to be built through Congress or through this national emergency that Trump – I don't believe the Supreme Court, just by the way they've been voting on things. I mean, like, you know, the whole abortion thing was like, oh, we don't want to listen to the case. Oh, and it's like, are these – I think some of these guys are frauds. I mean, Kavanaugh, you know, he's questionable. But I don't believe that they're going to hold up the – the president. I mean, I, I love I love President Trump, but he said in his own, you know, the news conference in the Rose Garden, he said, "I don't really need to do this. I don't really need to call a national emergency, but I want to get the wall built quicker." Well, first of all, you if it's not if you don't need to do it, then it's not an emergency, and they're gonna take that into account, and they're gonna take everything that he's been saying. They're going to take that to the count. And then second, he says, well, the wall is already being built. Well, if the wall is already being built, why do you need to call the national emergency? Why do you need to get money for the wall if it's already being built? And they're going to take all these things. I've been talking to some of my uh, legal friends that are Republicans, by the way, and they've been saying he's going to have a hard time explaining to the Supreme Court if it gets there, you know, that, you know, because you know it's not, it's not going to go past the, the, the liberal courts. So once it goes to the Supreme Court, I do not believe they're going to vote in. Uh, they're going to go in Trump's favor. I believe they're going to rule that it's unconstitutional. Honestly, that's what I'm. That's what I believe. Honestly, yeah, Senator, I, how do you if see I it? may say something, oh, Dr. Buster, if I may ahead. say something, yeah, I was just going to say uh, there are many people that that share that view, uh, and also they're a little nervous that if Trump does this, it may set a precedent uh, for other yeah. presidents being able to call other things national emergencies. I think, though, when he gets to the Supreme Court, he, he's going to win. Uh, and the reason is um, uh, the, the way the law is written, as I see it, the president has a right to declare a national emergency. 
Um, If you don't want to give the president that right or you want to limit his ability to do that, then you'll have to write that into the law that he can only call a national emergency for these things. The way I believe it's written now is it's at his discretion what he can call a national um, emergency. And you bring up a good point. He did say I didn't have to do this. Um, what he meant to say was, um, I, I could get the wall built without this, but because it is right. an emergency, I'd like to get it built as quickly as possible. Um, you know, he doesn't always phrase what he means in the best words. Um, but I think when it gets to, and I agree, and he's going to lose in the district court, he'll lose in the uh, the circuit court, rather, he'll lose in the uh, appellate court. But I think when he gets up to the Supreme Court, I think he's got a good chance of of winning there. Look, the way the last votes are, and somebody mentioned that you have four liberal judges. We thought we had five conservative judges. Chief Justice John Roberts uh, kind of fluctuates. Remember, he cast the uh, deciding vote that um, uh, allowed Obamacare to be uh, considered legal because the penalty he, they, he said was a tax and not a penalty. So he voted with the um, liberals. He's the one I'm a little worried about how he's going to vote. Yeah. But I think when it gets up there, if they, they like to, I believe, strictly interpret the law the way it's written. And I think the law says it's at the president's discretion whether he can call a national emergency. If the Congress doesn't like that, they can change it. But the way it is now, I, I think he's got a good shot of winning. Senator, I agree ahead. with Dr. Buffer. I mean, I, okay. I, I, I have to agree with Dr. Buffer. He, uh, you know, when when you look at what happened is, you know, when they called it the Muslim ban coming in, the Ninth Circuit Court used what he said in his campaign speeches. However, what does the letter of the law say? And that's what the Supreme Court's for. Right now, the way the law is set up, it's that the president has the right to declare a national emergency. Mm-hmm. Change the law. But you can't change it after it's declared. I mean, for this for this case here. So I agree with Dr. Right. Buffer on that. Very, very well said. Uh, Senator, go ahead. Well, and I appreciate the comments of, of the uh, panelists. One thing that I think we have to look at the facts. I don't think we can look at the issue of a national emergency and border security in a vacuum or estrange or divorce from the facts. There is either a immigration has either been weaponized, it's become a battering ram, it's been become a device that people that want to bring about the downfall of America are using to bring terrorists, drug dealers, and violent criminals into America or not. If this is just well, some families want to get over into America and they're so desperate that they will uh, cross some some lines on the sand. Well, that's one thing. But that's not what – I don't think that's what we're hearing from what's going on at the border. I have not been there. But it sounds to me like what's really going on is that there is weaponized immigration by people that have a agenda or an interest in bringing about the downfall of America. Maybe that's extreme. At, at very least, they want to uh, destabilize the borders. They want to uh, help obliterate the borders. And they really are trying to ram bombers, terrorists, and drug dealers, violent criminals down our throat. Yeah. yeah. If that's yeah, what's going true. on, 
that is a national emergency. If if a nation's border is under assault, and, and I think we have to look at it factually, not through the lens of Fox or the, main, the mainstream media, we need to say what is really going on. And if this is aggressive military uh, loaded up effort to obliterate our borders and destabilize America, that is a national emergency, and let's connect the facts with the legal issue. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Josh, go ahead. You know, so I come at this whole thing uh, on a little bit of a different angle because my feeling on the whole idea of a national emergency, first off, I'm against, I'm for the wall, obviously, and we've talked, you know, Rory, you and I have talked about on length, um, about our opinions on the wall on this show, uh, but I'm I'm 110% against the idea of a president being able to declare a national emergency, and here's why: the whole the whole idea of this bill is to basically allow Congress to either be one lazy and or to be able to point the blame uh, to the president whether good or bad things happen after they de- after. Uh, they declare the state of emergency. Now, and, and then on top of that, it's, in my opinion, it's, it's, it's unconstitutional in the extent of it's completely usurping the idea of a three folds of government that are meant to balance each other out, check and balance each other out. When you're allowing a, the, the uh, pres- office of the president to completely bypass uh, Congress, I mean, obviously, he's this whole situation starts to go through the courts, but for them to be able to bypass Congress, I think that's kind of uh, – first off, I think it's unconstitutional, and also I think it's uh, a detriment to uh, the way that this uh, re- republic uh, you know, is supposed to be. Now, on, on top of all that, a national emergency, in my opinion, should be something that – if it's really a national emergency, it should be something that Congress should be able to vote on quickly anyway. So even the need that Congress put this in in the beginning, I think, is, was completely unwarranted. And like I said, it's for either laziness or finger pointing. Yep. Pam, go ahead. Yeah, and I, can I respond to that? <laughs> yeah, Gianni, go ahead. Yeah, and you know, I agree with, with Josh. I mean <laughs> – I'm telling you, if people – I don't think a lot of – like a lot of conservatives, I was on Facebook and I put a post about Ann Coulter, and people, you know, you was there, Rory, you got Josh, you guys, and they trashed me about agreeing with Ann Coulter. And I believe I, – like I said, before I say this, I love President Trump. I'm going to vote for him <laughs> in 2020. But I believe he did this because he knows that, hey, if I don't somehow give the ability or the the vision of this wall being built, People would not vote for me in 2020, so what I'm going to do is declare a national emergency and make it look like I'm actually doing something so I can get these votes in 2020. And people don't read the bill. In this bill, uh, it allows helping illegal crossers with felons and felons or charges, and they're being brought to a better place. And even into the country, released in the U.S. I mean, in the, this bill has a lot of bad stuff that President Trump right. signed. Quickly, and I don't understand why he would sign that bill, and it's a bad thing. And that's a a problem because – and here's here's an issue I have. 
is that with these bills, you know, a lot of these politicians don't even read through these entire bills. And, you know, I, I don't know what Trump – I don't know if Trump does, but I would find it hard to believe if Trump would read hundreds and hundreds of pages of every single detail yeah. in this bill. And, you know, the fact that people can just slide things in there because they know they can put them in somewhat of a, a spot that aren't going to be noticed just for their own, you know, uh, donor, donor interests and special interest groups and all these crooked money, it, 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 it's, it's crazy. It, it really frustrates me. Pam, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I definitely agree with what Gianni and Josh are both saying. Um, I definitely am for the wall, I, but I have some reservations with the national emergency. I think it was uh, Dr. Branch who commented about that, the Republicans uh, being nervous because of the precedent it says. Now, yeah. we all know Barack Obama pushed through DACA. He, he said yep. for how many years? It's not constitutional. I don't have the authority to do it. And then he did it anyway. So right. um, you know, it's not like Trump is doing something new as far as that's concerned. Um, it's not like the Democrats won't try to push something with gun control and climate change, whether Trump does this national emergency or not. However, yeah. if Trump does move forward with it, it kind of takes away some of the wind out of the Republican sails if they do want right. to stop it. Now, um, right. I can't remember who did say this, but, but hey, if we don't like national emergencies, and I'm not totally – as a constitutionalist, I, what Josh said, you know, you're giving the purse strings to the, to the president, and that, that belongs in the House. That's the way it was yep. set up. Um, yep. But I'm not saying the Democrats wouldn't do it if Trump – whether he does this or not, they're still going to move right. forward with their agenda. But yeah. it does take the wind out of the sails of the Republicans to uh, push absolutely. back. Absolutely, we do. We do got to move. We do got to move on to another topic. I, I, we only have about five minutes left. I want to get to this last topic before we close out. Um, North Korea. President Trump is over there right now, um, and I, you know, I talked about this a little bit on my show yesterday. Obviously, President Trump is going over there to give Kim Jong-un a big economic opportunity, a huge opportunity to make his country a huge vacation spot, a huge destination to visit. And Trump even said it's right in the middle of many things, and there's a lot of things Kim Jong-un can, can do to you know, be uh, on good terms with the U.S. and you know, be a, a successful economy and you know, have all this you know, sort of uh, vacation um, spots you know, open and, and open to the public. What do you think about this, Dr. Bustler? I mean, you know, it's a second meeting. It looks really good. The first meeting went really well. And, uh, you know, the fact that we have a president that's sitting down with Kim Jong-un, and Kim Jong-un's so willing and wants to meet with him so bad, uh, that's, that's, that's saying something, you know? I think it's saying a lot, especially when you consider uh, what the state of affairs with North Korea was when Trump entered uh, office. Uh, they were uh, had a very active member. Yeah, they had a very active program. They were shooting off missiles. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm I'm somewhat optimistic about what's going to come Me out too. of this. Me too. Um, re remember, remember, yeah, yeah. Remember a few weeks ago, uh, Kim sent over his number two person, and they talked for a while, and it looked like they were making progress. And then they said, let's schedule the the summit. 
So I think what happened during that meeting was they uh, said, hey, look, we're not that far apart, uh, maybe very close, on a number of key key issues. Uh, so let's have a summit. Let's formally uh, hammer these things out. And um, I think they'll they'll come out with something very concrete um, out of out of the summit. Um, I'm I'm optimistic. Um, the the good thing is they're at least sitting down talking. But I'm optimistic that they're going to come out with something that um, that will be substantial. Me too. And and I believe Kim Jong Un is seeing all these different countries that are making deals with Trump, and Kim Jong Un wants that. He wants to have you know that sort of leverage and that sort of uh, capability. And he, he doesn't, I believe he doesn't want to be shut off from the rest of the world. And I think he wants to take after certain countries, but, uh, Bob Branch, go ahead. No, I, I absolutely agree. I, I am very optimistic. Actually, I'm, I'm getting, you know, I, I'm going to go to bed a little early tonight so I could get up super early in the morning because I want to watch it. This is going to be an amazing day that, unfortunately, the left-wing media will not, you know, they'll have Cohen on there. They won't be talking about this. But I think this is an historic event. Uh, It's unfortunate. I hope that the the history is written correctly. But I think this is going to be an extraordinary meeting tomorrow. Senator. Absolutely. Senator, go ahead. I, well, listen, I just hope whatever he does, it helps get freedom for the North Koreans that are living in bondage, that are being tortured, that are being executed, that are being starved to death. Uh, one of the South Korea has one of the largest percentages of Christian population, perhaps the largest percentage of Christian population of any nation in the world. And that just the dynamics of this great divide between a prosperous and Christian nation in the South and then people that are being. Uh, mistreated and abused and starved and tortured in the north i hope something comes number one to to um to rein in north korea militarily but i also hope for some positive changes for the suffering people of north korea absolutely uh we we only got about two minutes left gianni go quick and then josh and then pam yeah i haven't studied the thing too much but i i hope uh blessings of president trump and i hope they make a real, real good deal and uh, achieve world peace. Josh, go ahead. You know, yeah, and you know, the the thing that Trump is going over there to do, obviously, is to sell the economic stuff, you know, that they're going to make more money. But the other thing they're selling is the idea that if Kim does this, he's going to be regarded as a hero, not only by his people, but also by the rest of the world, which I think is a fantastic angle. Absolutely. Pam, go ahead. Um, I have been incredibly impressed with Trump's negotiating skills up to this point, so I have high hopes and I wish him well. Also, the fact that the Democrats have conveniently put Michael Cohen uh, at the same time, knowing the mainstream media will cover all that, I think doing some good stuff, and they don't want to have to cover it. Right, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Butler, please tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at M-B-U-S-L-E-R. That's at M-B-U-S-L-E-R. If you have a Facebook account, facebook.com forward slash funding democracy. Or if you're on your Facebook page, just search funding democracy. Perfect. Dr. Bustler, God bless you. We'll have you back soon. Take care, man. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Dr. Branch, please tell everybody where they can find you. 
go out on Twitter. Uh, it's Bob Branch on Twitter. Look forward to All right, getting some of you out there and talking. All right. Well, we'll talk to you soon, uh, Dr. Branch. Uh, Senator, go ahead. Okay. Uh, Robert Mueller, AaronDeBoy.com is where we uh, have our book available, Rory. Robert Mueller, AaronDeBoy.com. Perfect. Uh, sounds good, Senator. Thank you. Uh, Pam, please tell everybody where they can find you. Twitter handle is at PJA1791. You can also get me at thefactspaper.com or my blog, and then all the uh, library of references are. Perfect. Uh, Josh, go ahead, and then Gianni. Yeah, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at J-O-S-H-L-A-V as in Victor A-T-Y. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Gianni, go ahead. Yeah, you can follow me on Facebook at Gianni, G-I-A-N-N-I, Rodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z, dash, Paris, P-A-R-R-I-S. Awesome. And then Mike Peters, he's still there? Yes, I'm still here. And you can find me up in New York hiding. I'm hiding from our governor and the rest of us. I'm under a rock. I'm one of the few Republicans left in the state, but I'm I'm, I'm here. (laughs) All right. Sounds good, man. Um, I want to I wanna thank everybody for tuning in tonight. It's been a fantastic show. Um, we've gotten so much addressed. Um, and let's wish our president the best of luck in North Korea. He's going to do a fantastic job. Um, I want to thank all my guests, all my sponsors, all my uh, amazing co-hosts in my audience. You guys are amazing. Don't forget that we are now downloadable in 20 and listened to in 22 different countries. We are also on over 50 online platforms. You can find us. Um, please visit GetYourAppBuilt.com. Again, that's GetYourAppBuilt.com for your uh, best price on your idea to, uh, to put towards a, a new uh, mobile app. Uh, we have our free consultation. Uh, you can call us today. Also, please visit our media site, TheNextGenUSA.com. Again, that's TheNEX. Jen, G-E-N-U-S-A.com. And everybody, we will be back with you on Thursday night. Um, I am so amazed with the show tonight. We had so many amazing topics, so much address. We got all kinds of stuff uh, established. So we will, uh, the stuff I did not get to, we will get to on, um, on Thursday. So I'm Rory Sodder. Thank you for tuning in to the Rory Sodder Show. God bless everybody. Take care. Cheers.